We're going to be reading this morning from the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And if you are able and willing, please remain standing in honor of God's word. Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I was, I, you didn't have to say it back. That was, that was all right, though. It's okay. Um, hey, I, I've been, uh, this might be offensive to, is anybody here like from the South? Yeah, all right. So you just talk to me after if this offends you. But I've had this, uh, <laughs> this maybe isn't even explicitly a Southern thing, 
I'm gonna move this because I'm gonna bump into it. Uh, I've had this thought in my head kind of like the entire time I've been studying this week, and it's kind of that like southern grandma welling up within me who's just saying to this passage, you're too much, you know? Do people say that in the south? Is that explicitly southern, or is that just like a 60 and over thing? Oh, you're too much. No? All right. Well, in my mind, it was a southern grandma in my heart saying, you're too much to this passage. That's how I feel, okay? I feel like this passage is way too much. Even as Bissy just read it, I'm like, oh, not talking about that. That's, that's a little, I'm not, I'm not preaching this with all, all that it's due. But there's so, there's so much here. And it's because we have a God who is overwhelmingly abundant, that he's better than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I've even been thinking this week, like, I didn't make this up. <laughs> he reveals himself in this way. And I've been excited all week. I mean, I, anybody remember field day? Like going south and field day, and we haven't even prayed yet. We're here this morning. I, that's the feeling I had. Like before field day, I couldn't sleep. You know, I'm just so excited. The one day a year, I'm just like, I can't wait for school today. That's how I felt last night. I'm like, I literally can't sleep. I'm so excited. This passage is so, so beautiful. And in the same way, like it, it is just thoughts and ideas. If the Holy Spirit doesn't make it alive to us, that this is truth. This is reality. This is what actually. God revealed in the person of Jesus is all about. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into this passage this morning. Father, you are so, so good. It's overwhelming. And yet, I just feel the weight of even that song that we sing. So many of us are just asleep to it. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fall afresh on us, that you would awaken us from our slumber this morning. Remove any obstacles, any barriers that are in the way of us seeing you for who you are this morning. Give us soft hearts, responsive hearts to hear and to see. We ask that we would see the wondrous things that you have for us this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Isaiah 61. I mean, sometimes we need to do like some serious Bible study. We got to hit some commentaries. We got to flex on some hyperlinks, you know, watch a Bible project video to see how the Old Testament and the New Testament overlap into this beautiful story that we call the Bible. But not so with Isaiah 61, you know. It's what we call the layup, okay? It's a layup, all right? Here's why. Jesus... After his baptism, he's submerged into the Jordan. He comes out of the waters. You hear the Father's voice boom over creation. And it says over Jesus, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then it says that the Holy Spirit comes like a dove and rests on Jesus. And then it actually leads Jesus into this wilderness time for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And then he comes back, Luke says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And these are the very first words that he speaks. He stands before the synagogue. He unrolls the scroll and he reads Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. And you, you could feel, much like even here, you, people are sitting in the audience, they're waiting, 
They can feel the weight of his words. All right, how's he going to explain this? How is he going to preach this? How is he going to teach this? Is there going to be some new, uh, new, 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 new illustrations? Help me understand this in a deeper way. But Jesus just rolls the scroll back up, puts it on the first century pulpit probably, and walks back and sits down. And you could feel just the tension. You know, you could cut it with a knife in the room. They all look at Jesus. All the eyes go to him. And he says, today this is being fulfilled in your hearing. Today. The message of Jesus, his first words, probably important. Can we agree with that? Pro- probably matters. We should probably take it with some significance. He unrolls the ancient scroll and says, I am the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. His, his message, his vision statement, if you will. If you want to know what Jesus is about, Good news to the poor, healing of broken hearts, the blind seeing, the captives delivered, the oppressed set free. I just want to ask you this morning, where does that fit in your understanding of Christianity, in your understanding of who Jesus is for you and for the world? Where does that fit in our own ways of how we relate to Jesus this morning? Good news to the poor. Captives delivered, the oppressed set free. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he preaches this, he says this, and then he does all of it. Let me just read, I'm going to read, I've done this a couple times, but I'm just going to read a couple summary statements of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Is that okay? This is all just in the book of Matthew up to chapter 9. There's like 28 chapters, so I'm just hitting, just scratching the surface. Okay, Matthew 4, some summary statements. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. They said news about him spread as far as Syria, and the people soon began to bring him all who were sick. And whatever sickness or disease or whatever demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed person, and he healed them all. Matthew 8. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Matthew 9, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. It's who Jesus is. It's not just what he said, it's what he did. I mean, even John, John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus into the water, he he himself finds himself in a place that it's hard to believe that. He heard the words, he heard the messages, but he finds himself in a prison, in the darkness. And and what does he do? He sends out some of his boys. He's like, yo, go go, go ask him, see if he's actually the guy. He says this, he sends his boys, they go out to Jesus, they say, John sent us, he told me to ask you, are you the one, or should we look for someone else? Anybody else ever felt that way? <laughs> Let me just say, John the Baptist doubted. You can doubt. It's okay. <laughs> okay? The thing about Jesus, he doesn't even give John the direct answer, but instead he points to his ministry, the same ministry that was foretold by the prophet Isaiah. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, those who have leprosy are being cured, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. 
Let, let, let me just say it this way. The, the, Jesus didn't just come with proclamation about the good news, but everywhere he went, there was a demonstration of the good news. The good news that you and I, that we've received and is available to us is not just a gospel or good news of information, but it is fundamentally about transformation, okay? Isn't that good news? He doesn't just save us and say you're forgiven and then leave you to your own, but he has way more than that. And that's what we see in the passage. Isaiah 61, I'm going to read it one more time just because I want to get this in us. I didn't write this. I didn't make this up. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Let me just look at some of these things, okay? Good news to the poor. Let let me just ask you, is is the good news that you believe for yourself and the good news that that you share, is it especially good news to the poor? I mean, he doesn't say just good news to humanity, right? He says good news to the poor. And the poor here is both actually poor, like they are lacking financial uh, needs and they are lacking in things, but it also has this deep implication. Poor really means to be bowed over. It means sometimes to be afflicted, to be oppressed, both systemically, individually, to be oppressed by demonic things or by worldly things. But, but it, what it goes at is our posture, to be bowed over. Like he's saying, literally, it's good news to those who are like this. I felt like I had to do that. They're bowed over. Meaning that the good news is meant to change our posture. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like when the angels came to Mary, they said, they said, we have good news of great joy for all the people. Good news of great joy. I mean, there's an old hymn. I haven't really sang it once, but I've heard people saying, I got the joy, joy, joy down deep in my soul, you know? For some of us, it is deep, deep, deep down in our soul, you know? It's like the deep joy of the Lord down deep in my soul. It's deep down there. It's not meant to just be like, I'm loved by Jesus, good news, you know? It's meant to actually move our shoulders back, lift our head up. It's meant to give us a confidence. It's meant to replace our insecurity and our anxiety. That's why it's especially good news to the poor, I mean, if you think of, of someone who is lacking in things, he's saying it's not just like some kind of, let me just throw a track at you, bro. It's transformation. It's good news to them. It's good news. It's good news. It's fundamentally transformational. It's not just thoughts or ideas, but it has transformational, life-changing power. And then he continues on. This is how he does it, right? I have come to bind the brokenhearted. Jesus, we just read in all those takes in Matthew, he is fundamentally a healer. He is one that takes the brokenness in our own hearts, the trauma that we carry, the pain that we've accumulated over time, which is inevitable, by the way, right? You you live for about four days, and your heart gets a little bit broke. Your heart gets a lot broke. You, You accumulate some trauma. You accumulate some wounds. You bleed a little. It's what happens by breathing in this world, okay? It's, it, it is the inevitable human experience. We all have something that, is, that has broken our heart, that has splintered us. But Isaiah, he, he prophesies about one who will come and take the broken things and put them back together. 
It's what he does. And it's not a transactional healing either. It's not just like, this is who I am. Who's up next? Walk up. Let me just heal you really quick and on to the next one. Okay. One of my favorite stories, there's a woman who, who, who had a problem for 12 years. And Jesus is actually on his way to go perform a miracle, perform a healing. He's on his way there. He's in the hustle and the bustle of the crowd, you know. He's with his boys. And the, and the crew, they're all there. They're walking. And Jesus stops. <laughs> and he goes, "Woo! just felt some power go out from me. Who touched me? You know, Peter, Peter's always talking. He's like, who touched you, Lord? We're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. Like, you got bumped on your hip, your lip, like everything, bro. We're getting bumped everywhere. And he's like, no, I felt something come out from me. And so he pauses and stops and looks around until he finds that woman on the ground. And the problem that she's had for 12 years is gone in a moment. And so if Jesus was just about transactional stuff, he would just move on and be like, that's great. Healed somebody. It's what I do. You know, it's what I'm always about. But he stops. And he turns around and he finds her and he looks at her and he looks her in the eyes. Because the thing about this woman is there's 12 years of rejection. 12 years she, she went to doctor after doctor after doctor. Spent all that she had saying, I need some kind of healing. Her life is riddled with rejection. And yet Jesus, he turns around and looks her in the eyes. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, daughter. Daughter, an overwhelming declaration to her rejection that she has carried her entire life. You are accepted by me, daughter. I love you. you, you, you you're mine. Your, your faith has healed you. you. You're made new. He binds broken hearts. That's what he does. It's not transactional to him. It is fundamentally relational to him. He binds the brokenhearted. Next it says he proclaims freedom to the captives. What's interesting is you hear the word proclaim twice in this passage, right? You hear that he's going to preach or proclaim good news to the poor. And then you have this one that he's proclaiming freedom to the captives. And what's interesting is these words are actually different words, okay? You know how we do that in English too sometimes? We got the same word, it means something a little different. Okay, proclaim, this is the exact same word that we read in Genesis 1 when God says, and let there be light, and there was. Meaning when Jesus proclaims freedom, he doesn't do it as a suggestion. He has authority and power that when he says something, it happens, and we can see this, it's, 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 a, it's a signpost to his authority. And we can see this in the way Jesus prays, too. I don't know if you catch this, Jesus actually never, like, prays for healing. That'll make you bat an eye, I got a couple, a couple extra blinks there. He commands it. He doesn't just say, Father, would you please, if it's by your way. He, he, he has the authority to say, be healed. He has the authority to say, take up your mat and walk. Even right now, it says that he is upholding the universe by the word of his power. It's interesting, there's, a, there's, another, there's another healing story that's really fascinating. It's my last one, I promise. You guys are like, how many are we going to have here today? This is the last one. There's this guy, he's a centurion. He's, he's a Roman official. He's got all this authority, you know. He's got, he's got people, servants, people underneath him. Everybody he tells what to do, they do it. And he's got one of his servants, he's coming up, he's like, bro, I... I got this servant, man. He's not helping very much right now because he's really, really sick. 
And he comes up to Jesus because he started to heal some, or hear some about his healing, some about what he's starting to do. And he says to Jesus, I understand authority. <laughs> I get it. I know when I tell somebody to do something, they go, they do it. And he says these words, only say the word and my servant shall be healed. That, that's what faith is, by the way. <laughs> faith isn't like some emotional thing that we kind of like stir up and I just like, I, I got faith today, you know? Faith is just an awareness of who Jesus is, that when Jesus says something, it's not a suggestion. He does it. And there's moments when faith actually surges, surges up within us because we see him for who he is, that he's a healer, that he doesn't just suggest things, but he commands things. He doesn't just kind of throw out freedom. He proclaims it. That's why he can say audacious things, like for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. <laughs> when I set you free, you are free. That's what he says. It's a, it's a proclamation. He releases prisoners from darkness. That's what Tyler just shared this morning, right? If you have similar experiences to Tyler too, we want to pray for you this morning. Right? Revelation 19 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which sounds a little, little interesting. If you didn't come from that charismatic camp, you're like, whoa, chill out, bro. But all that means is when you share a testimony of what Jesus has done, it has this prophetic effect in our own hearts and in our own souls that if he did it for him, he can do it for me. And so I just believe, even, even, this, even this morning, if you feel like you've been carrying like nightmares or just feel like you're in a spiritual attack and you just feel like you're being intimidated and lied to and it just feels overwhelming, I, I want to say we want to pray for you this morning. Because that's what he does. <laughs> That's what Jesus does. That's what he, we, we should hear Tyler be like, that's right. That's what he does. He sets us free. Amen to that. It shouldn't be like, wow, that's crazy. It's normal. It's normal stuff for Jesus. The enemy doesn't hold you, which we do have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who intimidates us, who causes anxiety in us, who keeps us up at night. But Jesus, it says in Colossians, on the cross, he disarmed every ruler every principality, every power. He has authority over the darkness. It's not like a 50-50 battle. <laughs> it's not like, let's see who's going to win today. Chiefs, Eagles, two, two juggernauts. It's going to be a great Monday night football. It's not like that. He's got all power. He says the word and it's gone. He has authority over things. And I love it. This is where the pastor starts to be like, you know, you're too much, you know, you're too much, because he just keeps going. I could just stop there, we could pray, but he just keeps going. He says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I mean, just hear those promises. An oil of joy overflowing joy on top of you. That's what he's saying. It's like, just ring out all the joy. It's just supposed to be on you. A garment of praise, worship in the midst of suffering. Worship in the midst of struggle, not despair. And it's not even just these momentary things. He, give us, he gives us this big, overwhelming vision for our lives. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. Man, Come on, we're not with me this morning. I, somebody told me last week, they said, I am so encouraged by your constant um, attempts to engage us. And I was like, thank you, I think. <laughs> Golly. Oaks, I want to be an oak, you know? I want to be, be sturdy and strong. I look at some of you, man. I, 
your oaks. We have some oaks in this house. We have some like 70-year-old oaks of righteousness. I mean, I don't know. Do you know how long an oak takes to grow? I don't either, but it's not overnight, okay? <laughs> it's, not, it's not in a moment. You were waiting for that, yeah. That Thank you. Amen. Hello, we're here. It's the first one. Make sure you get that in the podcast. Someone re- responded to me. Oaks of righteousness. I mean, I think all the time, I'm, I'm trying to have this even just image in my own life. Like, what kind of old person do I want to be? You know? Young people, like, what kind of old person? Like, we're so momentary. So like, what kind of old person do you want to be? It's funny, because you see two types of old people in the world. It just is. It's, it's very rarely do people just kind of stay neutral. There are happy, gentle, jolly old people who are just like, nothing could bother you. And then there are just grumpy old people who are just like, man, kids these days all the time. You know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. And I'm thinking all the time, who, what kind of old person do I want to be? I want to be an oak of righteousness. I want to I sow to the things of the Spirit that the Spirit might grow in me over time, that I might be an oak. If you think of that big oak tree, it, 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 produces, it, it produces things that fall off of it. it. It's shade for other people. Man, I want, to be, I want to be an oak, you know? What's interesting even in this, though, is it says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord. I just want to say that's where some of us are at this morning. <laughs> You're planted. You plant, you're in seed form, and it feels like really dark right now. You're underneath the ground, and you're feeling some water every once in a while, but it's, it feels dark. And I just want to say sometimes where the Lord has us that we might form us into an oak of righteousness. If you feel buried right now, if you feel covered up right now, if your life just feels dark right now, I just want to say that's not, he's, he's work, he can be at work within you in the darkness. And sometimes we need to receive those things as gifts from the Lord that he might produce in us and create in us. That oak, you know? You with me? All right, thank you. Thank you. But I mean, think about it. Even for many of us, though, this does, this does feel more like it's conceptually true, but it's experientially kind of ambiguous, you know? Like, I understand. I can, I can give you a theology of freedom. I can, we can talk about the cross and what Jesus has done for us. We can sing songs about freedom, but in my own life, I am far more familiar with bondage than I am freedom. Is that true of you? I feel like we say this all the time, but, but even when we, when we think of the, the Exodus narrative, the, the story of Moses, it's important for us to think about what was the promise to Moses? I asked this at, uh, at K-Equip, K-Life, hello, shout out, shout out Trevor and the squad at K-Equip, but I asked this to them, I said, hey, what, what, what was the promise to Moses? And they, you know, there's some good Christian boys and girls, they watched some uh, Veggie Tales and some other things, and they said it was, it was uh, the freedom from Exodus, the freedom from Egypt, that's what it was. They said Exodus, I'm like, guys, no, it's Egypt, okay? Freedom. <laughs> Thank you. Freedom from Egypt, that's what they said, right? Most of us would be like, yeah, that's right. That actually wasn't the full promise, <laughs> That was a means to an end, that they might experience the promised land, that they might experience his inheritance. And that's, that's what we say for many of us. We weren't just saved from something. We were saved into something. I mean, I'll, I'll preach the mess out of the cross, you know? But just so you know, our Savior is no longer on the cross. He, he, he died on that cross. He took our sins on that cross. He was buried in the ground for three days. Buried, hello, He was raised to new life. He ascended into heaven. And what did he do? He sent his spirit to be with us. That's what it says, even verse 6. It says, instead of your shame, 
Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion of your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Double portion. You get delivered from stuff, double portion, hello, and you get delivered into the promised land. The life that we are meant to live is meant to be one of the Spirit in our inheritance. It's why Paul prayed like all the time. Like we can learn a lot by Paul's prayers, okay? Paul in Ephesians 1, this is his prayer for the people of Ephesus. That's how he starts his letter. He says, I pray, Lord, (laughs) I can just imagine that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, that you might wake up in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in all his holy people, that your eyes of your heart might be opened, it says, to see his incomparably great power for us who believe, that the same power as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, saying that the eyes of our hearts might might actually see that. Because he's... He's just, he's acknowledging the tendency for us is not to live there. The tendency for us is not to live in our inheritance, but to live in the wilderness, to wander, to kind of be delivered from something, but just kind of wander through life. And the amazing thing about God is he will just love the heck out of you in the wilderness. He won't stop loving you. He can't stop. But he has so much more for us than just life in the wilderness. And the tragedy is when we make the wilderness normal, you know? When we make wandering normal. And some of us, that's just what we've been taught. That's the lives, that's the Christian lives that we've seen. I go to church on Sunday. I follow Jesus. I'm forgiven. And most of my life is pretty much unaffected. I'm pretty anxious. I'm pretty stressed out. I'm pretty much more afraid than everyone else in my life. But I'm forgiven. I'm set free but we wander in the wilderness. Because what happens is you just reproduce who you already are, and so if that's all we've experienced, that's just what we end up reproducing. But I'm here, I'm not even, I'm I'm speaking about the passage. You're saying he has so much more for you than that. He has more for us than just wandering in the wilderness. I mean, even if you think about the disciples, that's where they find themselves, right? In the upper room. Jesus has died on the cross. He's ascended into heaven. He's got this promise for them, and they're waiting there for 40 days. Here we are, just waiting until the Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals and invites us and empowers us to live the life that we could not live by ourselves. And I love that. That's what the passage says, because it flips. It talks about you, and then it says, and they will. And they will, these people, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that they have devastated for generations. And they, the, the, the brokenhearted ones, the captives, the prisoners, they now become the rebuilders and the restorers. That's the message of Christianity, by the way, that the powerfully healed become the powerful healers. That's what happens. The long-standing ruins in our own personalities, in our homes, in our world. And God promises to give everything back to us that sin has ruined. In our world, and he does it through us. 
The mourners of verse 3, they become the repairers and the experts of verse 4. And it's what we see all through the New Testament that Jesus, he lived the life that we were supposed to live. He died the death that we were supposed to die. He ascends into heaven and he sends his very own spirit. You know that, 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 that Isaiah 61, it says that if you have that spirit, the, the same spirit that Jesus says, that spirit of the Lord is upon me, it is now on us. Do you know that? You know that everything Jesus did was by the power of the spirit? That's why Luke makes it very clear when he returns from the wilderness, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? 30 years of his life, they got like one note. They're like, he ran off to the temple once and they lost him. That's it. That's the only thing in 30 years. And then he comes back in the power of the Spirit to demonstrate to us that nothing we can do, we can do nothing by our own flesh, but everything we are made to do is by the power of the Spirit. That's the life that we've now been invited into. Jesus even does this to his own disciples. It says he sends out the 12. And all the things that he was doing, now the 12 are doing. He says, the kingdom, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Then he tells them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Because he says this, freely you have received, now freely give. That's the message. Freely you have received. Now freely we are to give. And I don't just mean more information. I mean, if we, if we're just, if we just have more information, just like more, more, more info than everybody else, we're just throwing our hat in the ring. You know, every single kind of worldview, they're just trying to convince you of their worldview. Try to live this way. Try to live this way. Try to live this way. That's all we are. If we just have, well, try my message, you know. But the power of the day the need of the day is transformed lives. And that's what he's about. And it makes me ask you, how do you, how do you hear this passage this morning? I mean, do you, do you hear it like that sounds great? Or do you hear that in a way that makes, reminds you of your own story? In a way that reminds you of your current reality, of, of the ways that he has binded your broken heart? I mean, I read it this morning, and it's not an idea to me. I'm being honest with you. It's not an idea. I mean, I stand up here. I'm like, I, my, life, my life should have fallen apart seven, 1,700 different ways, you know? I don't know about you. That's how, I, that's how I read, we read this and we say, that's, that's true. That's true. That's how we're meant to read that. I mean, I went through this, this phase for about a couple of years where I, like, I just had no access to my emotions. I don't know what happened. Some of you are like, that's weird. Yeah. A couple years, I just like did not cry. I don't know what happened to me. I didn't even really notice. But I, but I was in a prayer meeting. And I had this encounter with the love of God like I've never had. And something healed in me. He heals our broken hearts. It's what he does. He releases us. The stories of Tyler, those are all, those are, our, our community is riddled with those. They're not ideas. It's what he does. And it's when you've experienced it, the good news is like really easy to share. If you're like gospel sharing, it's like, man, I'm just struggling sharing the gospel. I'm trying. If it feels like a discipline or a duty, can I just say, maybe you're not believing and receiving the same good news that Jesus had. Good news to the poor. Because when you're bowed over and he lifts you up, that's your message. That's the story that we are sharing. It's not a theological perspective or a, a theory. 
but it is the real lived experience. And so for some of us, I just want to pray for us this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm landing the plane right now, just so you know. I'm landing it. I'm, I'm at the 10,000 foot, whatever they say, buckle your seatbelts, whatever. We're landing the plane here. But I, I just, we, I, we want to have some, we want to pray for that. I got a couple things that I just feel like the Lord might want to invite you into even this morning. We're going to have prayer people all around the back. They're going to be in the back on the sides. But a couple things. Okay, one, if you, if you feel like Tyler's story like really resonated with you, we actually think that God can set you free from those kinds of things. And so if you feel like you've been having nightmares or, or especially just like night terrors or even if you wake up and you're just like sweating and you can't sleep at night, restlessness, sleeplessness, we want to pray for that this morning. Another thing is, I, th- this one feels a little more risky, but if, if there's just, I, I feel like even if there's just men who feel like you haven't cried or felt emotional at all in your life, I just want to say, like, I'm not saying emotions are the way to live, but, but some, he can heal that. He wants us to feel the sensitivity of the Father's heart for us. And so if, that, if that's what you feel, especially just an invitation to men this morning, if you feel like you want to go to the back and receive prayer, we, we want to ask that he would heal that. He would heal your hearts. We've experienced that, by the way. We've had, I, we've had men say, I have not cried in 30 years until the past couple months or the past year, and I have been weeping at the love of Jesus. We want to pray for that. And then lastly, if you just feel like you've experienced some kind of like missional drift, like if you just feel like, man, I used to be fired up, and I was sharing all the time, and I used to pray for people all the time, but now you just feel this like malaise and boredom, and you're just kind of like, I don't know, whatever, whatever's going on in my life. I want to pray for that. The Spirit can re-energize that in a moment. And I want to say this about prayer really quick. We, prayer doesn't actually change things. This is back to his authority. Prayer doesn't actually change things. That's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus juke you real hard here, okay? But Jesus does. This is what he does. This is why we look at the passage. This is why when we look at Jesus, it affects our prayer life. That we're not just praying. It's not about the, the phrases that you can get right or say, but it's about him and who he is and what he does. And so we're going to pray, not according to a prayer, but we're going to pray according to who he is this morning. Are you with me? All right, let's pray. And then we'll, we'll continue in, in some worship and prayer. Father, even as, I, even as we read this passage, as we talk about it, 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 it is way too good to be true. And some of us, we, we, we feel hopeless, we feel discouraged, even in the hearing of these things, we're like, that's not my story. And so, Lord, even, even, even for those of us who are just in immense suffering and struggle, we just ask that you would be with us. But, Lord, we believe that you can do in a moment what takes years to do. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lift our eyes to see Jesus. I just pray that these words would be true today, that you would bind broken hearts today, that you would release us from the darkness that we're experiencing right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would set us free, that we wouldn't just sing about freedom, but that we would know and experience the real freedom that you have for us. Just invite you to come, Holy Spirit, minister to us as we worship and as we sing. Give us faith, give us courage to, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, to persevere in prayer. 
because it's you and it's you alone. We didn't pull ourselves out. We didn't bind our own hearts, Lord. You're the one. So just come, Lord. Amen.